Hey, FCA fans, I'm Ricardo Pepe. Happy to be here. time again we are back and yes we are still here no sebastian salazar today he's still on break but i got my man leading the train mauricio pedrosa Mal, how you doing bro i'm doing well happy new year everyone happy new year to all the football america fans thank you for joining us you know herc i was known as el maquinista for many yes, years and for different reasons this is a new kind of maquinista now with ricardo pepe we'll talk about that we have a great show coming up everything we missed during the break, we will attack right now on the show. Remember also to download the podcast on every single platform available. Herc, let's get to it. We have good news. And let's start with Ricardo Pepe. Yes, sir. He has completed his transfer to Augsburg in the Bundesliga for reportedly $20 million plus add-ons. That is the highest transfer fee for a homegrown player based money. That is, it is also a record transfer fee for the club. He already passes physicals and is looking forward to start training with his team. And it's obviously great news for the U.S. men's national team, for Ricardo Pepe Herc, only 18 years old, and he had a fantastic 2021. Here are some of his accomplishments, including being the second youngest player to score for the U.S. in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying, highest base transfer fee for outgoing MLS homegrown player. But when you heard the news, Herc, what was your reaction? That's a crazy amount of money for any player, 20 million in a pandemic era where we're talking about most teams are cash strapped and you're going to spend $20 million on an 18 year old who has less than 60 first team games, who has very little national team experience, has never scored against a national team outside of CONCACAF. And you are going to spend this much money on this player. It just, it, first, the, first off, is uh, very, very mind-blowing to think of that, an 18-year-old FC Dallas player going for that amount. Okay, I had mixed reactions. First of all, I was very happy for Ricardo Pepe. The fact that he can now continue his career in one of the best leagues in the world as the Bundesliga on ESPN Plus, by the way, that was the first part of it. I was very happy for that. But then, I was thinking of this. Augsburg is a team that is fighting to stay away from relegation spots. It's not a high-scoring team. It's not a very attacking team. So, and you know this very well. When you join a team in the middle of the season, there's a lot of pressure. So that's why I thought I had mixed reactions. Very, ha very happy for him, but a little concerned with the situation that he's going to be a part of. Now, let's go specific. Let I want to hear, because you say, yeah, he's, he's very young. We haven't seen a lot from him. What concerns you with this move to Augsburg? Well, what concerns me to this move to Augsburg is he's taken a huge risk. Yes, Osberg has taken a huge risk as well. $20 million on a player that needs to play now. They need results from Ricardo Pepe today. They're 15th place in the Bundesliga. They've scored 17 goals in 17 games, one per game. They're in a relegation battle. They want to stay in top flight. So they need this player to produce. 
There's a risk also by Ricardo Pepe. Ricardo Pepe's going somewhere he knows he's going to get a very good chance to play, and I applaud that. I applaud the mentality. I really do. But worst case scenario, they're in Bundesliga 2 next season in a World Cup year. Ricardo Pepe goes all of a sudden to a place where it's the unknown, where he's going to have competition, where he needs to score today. And if he doesn't, he can go to Bundesliga 2. And what I feel will be a very congested fight for that U.S. men's national team number nine position. So Ricardo Pepe, a lot of risk involved with that as well. We always spoke about the timing. Jurgen Klinsmann was on here talking about the timing, the timing, when it's right. This is a risky, a very bold move for Ricardo Pepe. Mm. I'm here for it. I applaud it. The aguacates are all-time high. I'm in the Ricardo Pepe choo-choo train. But this is risky. <laughs> Here's El Maquinista for Ricardo Pepe. We'll expand on the timing aspect of the signing in just a moment. Uh, by the way, also good news, Ricardo Pepe will be on Football Americas next Thursday. The brand new Augsburg player, Ricardo Pepe, on the show this Thursday. In the meantime, let's listen to the U.S. men's national team manager, Greg Berhalter, his reaction on the move. We're excited for Ricardo. I think he's he's ready for the next step in his career. And Augsburg and certainly the Bundesliga is a great league um, for him to make this next step. He's a, a talented striker. Um, he's shown the ability to be really effective at a young age, and, and we're excited to see his development. From what I've seen with Ricardo, um, that's an, another good quality, his, the ability to adapt to the level that he's playing at. Um, when he first came to the national team, um, you know, he had no experience before with the senior team and we put him into a qualifying game and he scored and had an assist in that first game. Um, and then the, ne the subsequent games, he, you know, he was able to score as well and, and put in good performances. So we've seen firsthand his ability to adapt at, at a higher level and we're confident he'll be able to do that again in the Bundesliga. There's a great quote by Rage Against the Machine. What better plays than here what better time than now? To me, it applies perfectly to Ricardo Pepe just because he's 18 years old. Herc, he's not yet a fully developed player. And when you're 18 years old and you can make a move to the Bundesliga, he might have the great chance to complete his development as a player in one of the toughest environments in terms of competition, especially with a team that is fighting for their place in the first league, in the Bundesliga. So what about the timing of the move for Ricardo Pepe? Let me reiterate, I applaud the mentality. Not many kids, because he's still an 18-year-old kid, he's a teenager, and you talked about his formation, he's still filling out his own body, let alone trying to figure out who he is as a person, let alone a player. Uh, not a lot of players would have taken that leap. It would have been very easy for him to say, you know what, the timing's not great. I just got a new contract at FC Dallas, let me stick here. Let me stay here. I'm the starting number nine for the U.S. Men's National playing for FC Dallas. I don't need to go anywhere. But he didn't want that. He wanted to prove himself. And not only did he want to prove himself, because you could have easily gone elsewhere. He could have said, no, Osberg, I don't want to be in that relegation battle. I want to go to a bigger club, whether it's the Wolfsburg, whether it's a, there were reports of Premier League teams mm -hmm. involved. He could have had that decision, that choice. He wanted to play regardless of the risk. So I highlight the mentality. Everything we've known about Ricardo Pepe is the mentality. He's ready for this moment. When you speak to Ricardo Pepe, as you and I have spoken to, when you're up front one and one with him, it screams mentality, it screams confidence, it screams that swagger that I want in my starting number nine. So the moment right now, only Ricardo Pepe knows is the right moment. Time will tell if it was the right moment, but I applaud the mentality.
I agree with that. And now to add perspective on Pepe's move to the Bundesliga, we now welcome ESPN's leader, Bundesliga voice, Derek Ray, who's joining the show, Football Americas. Derek, welcome to the show. Happy New Year. Let me start with this. What is Ricardo Pepe getting into with Augsburg? Well, I should start by saying Happy New Year and Frohes Neues, as we say in German. <laughs> jawohl, jawohl. And indeed, yes. <laughs> and what he's getting into is new territory, I would say, because if you think about recent young American players who've made the step to the Bundesliga, it's an attractive step for a young American player. It's tended to be at more established clubs. You know, you think of somebody like Gio Reyna, at Dortmund, Tyler Adams at Leipzig, not as well established, but a team that is now in the running for honors. Weston McKinney, when he was at Schalke, they were doing better then than was the case latterly. Augsburg in the lower reaches of the table. And make no bones about it, their big goal at the start of every campaign is to preserve their Bundesliga status. 11 years in a row against all the odds as a Bundesliga club. They're not a club with a proud tradition of being in the Bundesliga. So Pepe has taken this path less well-traveled, but of course it's a very well-financed deal. We're talking about huge money. And Augsburg have seen this, I think, as an opportunity. And for their part, I made this point on Twitter the other day. It's not been widely reported. They have an American investor, a gentleman by the name of David Blitzer. I don't know David Blitzer. I don't think too many people do. He's slightly mysterious, but clearly he was brought on board with a view to changing the situation for the better for Augsburg in the U.S. market. And Pepe and his people have done their homework, and they have clearly decided that going this route will be better for him in terms of getting a lot of playing time, because I think we assume that he will get a lot of playing time maybe not off the bat but pretty early on in his career with Augsburg and that that should stand him in good stead. Derek briefly what will his competition look like at Augsburg we understand that you pay 20 million per player you want him to play but what's the competition around him for that starting number nine look like? Well, Herc, there are a couple of very experienced strikers on board in Florian Niederlechner and in particular Alfred Finbogason, but they've been injured for the first part of the campaign, for big chunks of the first part of the campaign. So he's going to learn a lot from them because they've been around the block for a long time. Finbogason, an established Icelandic international, record scorer for Augsburg in the Bundesliga, but nearing the end of his career, you would say. And then they have others like Andre Hahn, who's been around for a long time, Andy Zekiri, the Swiss international who's on loan from Brighton and Hove Albion. So there are other strikers there, but they don't score enough goals. The big problem has not been so much that the strikers don't take their chances. It's really been about creating chances for Augsburg. They don't create enough. So that does tell you that for Pepe, it's going to be a big test because it's not going to be the case that he will have these crosses fed to him, you know, multiple crosses every game, or he's going to have a playmaker who's very good at setting up chances for him. He's going to have to do some of that himself. So I think it's an interesting one, but they do have young players at their core. Stefan Reuter today, the man who's the head of sport at Augsburg, made big play of all the young players who have come through their ranks in the last few years. People like Reese Oxford at the back, the English defender, and you know several others who they have now. Niklas Dorsch, who's a good young prospect, but certainly not a top talent 
sort of player along the lines of Pepe. So he'll have a lot of youngsters to keep him company. And he said all the right things. I thought it was a very impressive start in terms of the press conference today. And he captured the imagination of everyone on a day when there wasn't a lot of other transfer news in Germany. So um, this is being viewed uh, as something that's pretty big. Let's talk about now about his new manager, Markus Weinziel. What yeah. his, what's his coaching style? Well, Markus Weinziel is the man who was the coach for Augsburg when they had the most successful period in the Bundesliga. You might remember a few years ago, they made it all the way to the Europa League knockout stages and nobody expected that. Then he went away and got some other jobs. He was at Schalke for a while. He was at Augsburg for a while. He's back at uh, Stuttgart for a while. He's back at Augsburg now. And, um, you know, what they're trying to do is recapture the old days and the style of football was always sort of in your face bold against the odds football reactive football you would say but not sitting in and just defending with a low line but but getting right to the heart of the matter and trying to put better opponents under pressure now he made the point Vine Seal when he came back that he thought watching videos of the team going back over a couple of years that they'd lost their DNA they had become too passive so they've tried to rediscover that style I must say they weren't very successful in the first few games of the season but they're doing better now. The results certainly have been better in the last few weeks, but it's still a work in progress. And, you know, without Pepe, you would have said, you know, Augsburg's prospects of staying up. Yeah, they're okay, but it's probably going to be a, a toss of the coin between them and Bochum and Bielefeld and other clubs, maybe Stuttgart in, in that area of the table. So he's, he's a well-known figure. He's somebody who has had his best years in Augsburg and they think he can do that again now that he's in charge again. Derek, we've seen a lot of American-based U.S. players go to the Bundesliga. Why are teams in the Bundesliga so keen on the American player? What makes him so attractive? What I hear a lot from people in Germany who work at football clubs is that they find that American players are hungry and they're coachable. And I think it's also a market that until recently was fairly untapped. And I think it just was a very good fit. You had these young American players who had got good football educations at academies in MLS, but who were ready for that next step. And obviously, we're very keen for that next step. Now, obviously, England is the goal of a lot of young players, not just American players. But it probably would be foolish to go to an English club straight away because you're not going to get a chance at that English club and you might get sent out on loan somewhere. So isn't it better to go to the Bundesliga where the style of play is dynamic, where young players, irrespective of whether they're American or not, get a chance at the age of 17, 18, 19, get a lot of minutes in normal times with great atmospheres, maybe some of the best atmospheres you'll find anywhere in the world. So it's sort of a win-win situation. And yeah, I think we all know, I'm sure, you know, Ricardo Pepe is not planning to spend the rest of his days in Augsburg, as beautiful a city as it is. And I can vouch for that. It's one of the most beautiful cities in Germany. But it is a stepping stone for him. And even though the contract is until 2026, he knows it's a stepping stone. And to use that phrase again, it will be win-win for all parties if he is successful for Augsburg on the pitch. And that will, will include ESPN, of course, ESPN streaming Bundesliga. Really looking forward to you calling many Ricardo Pepe goals. Derek, thank you so much for joining us. Vielen Dank und auf Wiedersehen. Bis zum nächsten Mal. Vielen Dank. Tschüss.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. More good news during our break. Daryl Dike, also leaving MLS, will now play for West Brom Albion. The deal is reportedly for $9.5 million. West Brom currently fourth in the EFL Championship. Dike actually making his return to the championship after spending the first semester of 2021 at Barnsley. All right, Herc, is this a step up in his career? Absolutely. Yes. And that, that deal right there, $9.5 million with a 20% future uh, percentage of the sell for, for Orlando. So all parties will win there. It is. Listen, the championship is a second division type of football. Yes, it is. But it's also a top 10 football league in the world. There is no denying that. Financially, it's one of the strongest leagues as well. Uh, he's going to a higher play a higher level of play he's going back to a league where he knows very well where he actually at Barnsley played under Ismael this new coach the coach he's going to go back to right now at West Brom uh, in 19 games he scored nine goals for him and most likely right now they're in fourth place they could be in a promotion playoff and find themselves in the Premier League I have 21 years of age this is the right type of football for him I think it's the right moment for him he needed to go and it needs to be now uh, this is the right move for Daryl DK. Listen, I will not sit here and say that every single player that leaves MLS to go play in Europe is the right move. That's not necessarily right. true. Uh, every case is different. But in Daryl DK's case, I believe he had reached his ceiling at Major League Soccer. He needed the move. Especially once you once you try those waters, once you test, once you test those waters, you have to go back, especially because he felt he belonged there. Now, I will ask you this. He was being part of the U.S. men's national team every single time we thought he's one of the players that's going to be called up, but recently he has been left out of Greg Verhalter's team. How does this move help his case to be a part of the U.S. men's national team again? Well, not just Daryl Dike, Ricardo Pepe. Greg Verhalter had a situation where he was worried about the starting nine or the nines who are going to be informed for these January call-ups. No longer you can add two more Euro-based nines who will certainly be in some good form heading into these competitions. Daryl Dike, throw him in that mix. I mean, right before he went cold at the Gold Cup, everybody was talking to him about being the best young striker yep. of the moment. They weren't talking about Ricardo Pepe. They weren't talking about Hoppy. They were talking about Daryl Deacon and what he was doing at the championship. He was absolutely bossing people at that level. And Greg Verhalter was noticing if he can get himself back on that radar, if they can get himself starting, playing, and potentially in the Premier League. This is a win-win for Daryl Deacon. He will be in prime position to fight for a spot on the U.S. Men's National Team in a World Cup year. So we don't have this following question in our rundown. This is, gonna, this is gonna come to you as a surprise, but I know you're ready for this. Who's gonna benefit more from their respective moves? Ricardo Pepe to Augsburg or Daryl Dike to West Brom? <laughs> Ricardo Pepe's picking up 10% of that transfer, so immediately it's gonna be Ricardo Pepe with that $20 million transfer. <laughs> <laughs> you're always thinking money first, man. You're always thinking money first. <laughs> All right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Go on, go on, go on. 
No, no. In all, in all seriousness, I'm really excited to see Ricardo Pepe. We got a taste of what Daryl D can do at a higher level. I need to see what Ricardo Pepe can do. Every time we've thrown a challenge in front of this kid, he's responded. They put him in. They put him behind a DP in Franco Jara at FC Dallas. He took his position. You know, they put him on the national team and say, "Hey, Greg Verhulst, says, hey, go save my job on the last day." of the window against Honduras and the kid had a hand or foot on all four goals hmm. that they scored against Honduras. He just seems of the moment. He doesn't seem fake. He doesn't seem rattled. This is a very tricky situation. I reiterate, it's a very risky situation for Ricardo Pepe. You're going to a club that in six months time can be relegated. Second division, Bundesliga two in a world cup here. I don't know if Ricardo Pepe's in Bundesliga two, if his chances are going to be the same with Greg Berhalter and U.S. men's national team. That said, like Derek Ray said, if he is successful, it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, regardless who has more success, I'm absolutely positively sure that Greg Berhalter is now sitting watching Football Americas and saying, listen, the one who's benefiting the most is me, the U.S. men's national team manager. You want your players at that level of competition day in and day out. So very, very good news for U.S. soccer. Uh, more news now from Major League Soccer. LAFC has finally found Bob Bradley's replacement. It might not be the popular choice. Steve Sherundolo has been announced this Monday as the team's new head coach. The mayor of Hanover will make his debut as an MLS manager. He's been with the organization as the Las Vegas Lights manager in the USL Championship. Uh, I insist, Herc, maybe not the manager that they were expecting, but Katia Castorena spoke to him about expectations and his star player, Carlos Vela. Well, I think one main idea that we'd like to establish and from day one is, um, is in transition um, is to be a little more potent and uh, something we're working on from day one. What would be the most important thing, would you say, in assessing Vela's role? Well, getting him uh, in situations on the field um, where he can do what he does so well, which is uh, score and set up goals. So putting Carlos in situations um, in the last third of the field is our our first and foremost uh, priority. Um, and um, you know, he, he makes everybody better on the field. So we are very excited about the prospect of, uh, of, of getting that accomplished. Is it hard establishing a plan with him in particular to continue to be that leader when his near future hasn't completely been decided yet? Uh, no, no. Um, we are focused right now on what we can control, and that is day one of preseason uh, coming up, and that is all we're focused on right now. Um, you know, what happens in the future, uh, we will cross that path and get to it, but um, right now, we can get what we control. We want to focus on, and uh, that's where all of our energy and focus is going to be. That's Katia Castorena speaking to new LAFC manager Steve Sherundolo, who you know very well, by yeah. the way. But how surprised were you with his appointment? Uh, surprised. Well, let me explain why I'm surprised. I'm not surprised that he's the LAFC head coach. I'm surprised at the timing. I expected him at some point to get a job within Major League Soccer, U.S. Soccer, this circle. He's that respected in this bubble. He's that cared about. He's a very, very good tactical mind. He was my teammate with the U.S. Men's National Team, one of the best right backs to ever play for the U.S. Men's to ever wear this jersey. A very, very smart player, respected by all accounts. But this LAFC, 
In, in a time where fans are questioning the direction, when fans are questioning the state of LAFC, it is a little strange. It's a strange because you're putting in a very inexperienced coach, and I know he coached the lights, and you could say whatever you want about his record. I believe 34 games, he only won six games, but that's a pilot team. That's a team that's designed for the benefit of LAFC, not for the benefit of the Las Vegas lights, not for them to win, for them to get better, for them to develop LAFC players and nothing else. That's what the Las Vegas lights are for in this relationship with LAFC. He was doing that. It, it worries me because you look at what he has at his disposal and we can go, Diego Rossi, he's gone. Mark Anthony K, he's gone. Pablo Cisniega, he's gone. The guy you brought in to replace Pablo Cisniega, Blackman, he's gone as well. Corey Baird, who you brought in, he's gone. Brian Rodriguez, we don't know what his situation is. Eddie Segura is coming off an ACL tear. Carlos Vela is coming off two very abysmal years where he scored nine goals. Nine goals for a player you pay $6.5 million per year. In those $13 million years, he gets you nine goals. And one of the all-time winningest coaches in Major League Soccer and U.S. men's national team history is gone. So Steve Chirondo right now is against the eight ball. Steve Chirondo right now is seen as a scapegoat for what, quite frankly, our front office moves, our front office mishaps, if you will. It, it almost seems like the frustration of the fans are being taken out at this moment at Steve Chirondolo, and they seem misplaced. So here's the way I see it. I believe most of us are surprised that he was the name picked in the end to be the new head coach. Now, as you said, shouldn't come as a surprise given the fact that he has been working for the organization with Las Vegas Light. Now, the way I see it is, I don't know if he was their first choice. And, 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 and I say this because... Clearly, there was a process of interviews with different managers. There was word of a Portuguese manager working in South America who was also a candidate. There, were, there was a manager in Jimmy Lozano who was interested in the job. In the end, he was not given an interview. Juan Carlos Osorio, Antonio Mohamed, high-profile names. This is not a high-profile name in terms of coaching experience because he hasn't managed at this level. So what does this tell you about where LAFC is going with naming him as a new head coach? That's a great question because if you look at Steve Chirondolo, Steve Chirondolo is respected within this region amongst people who know him, amongst people who have gotten to talk to him about the game, but he's not a sexy pick. He's not the, I'm Will Ferrell, I'm the owner. My first signing is Carlos Vela. I'm going to get the all-time winningest coach in U.S. soccer and Bob Bradley. Look at this big, shiny new stadium, this toy. Look at the dreads. Look how slick they look. Look how sweet this looks. Hmm. It, it, none of this L.A. blitz, none of this L.A. glamour, none of this L.A. starwood, none of that. It's all of a sudden, oh, wait, you're getting rid of all these players. Oh, wait. We don't know what's going on here. Oh, wait, you went with Steve Chirundolo, who's never had any coaching experience. This may be a change in philosophy, but if it is, that's not the LAFC we were sold. That's not the LAFC the fans were sold about. That's not the LAFC that Major League Soccer props up and sells us. Um, I remember covering the event where Carlos Vela was introduced as LAFC's first player. He was actually introduced first, and then Bob Bradley was actually named the manager, the, the manager of the team. And I remember LAFC people saying, we are going to sign whoever we need to sign to be successful. And for the first couple of years, we saw the results on the pitch. But as you said, the latest decisions in terms of 
how this roster is going to be built for this upcoming season. The fact that Carlos Vela is actually staying and you bring Cherundolo as the manager. When you consider all these things, tell me about the patience that the team needs to have or will have with a new head coach. Well, with any inexperienced coach, you need to have patience. But this isn't Steve Cherundolo's case to plead. Listen, Steve Cherundolo is very respected. Somebody else who's very respected is John Thorrington. John Thorrington, that's his case to plead. This is his baby. John Thorrington right now, without Bob Bradley, is the guy. He's the brain. He's the one pulling the strings right now. He's the one who's deciding the future, the fate of LAFC. So I don't know if necessarily the leash is tighter or shorter with Steve Cherundolo or with John Thorrington, but the buck stops with him. The success, a lot of it has to do with John Thorrington, but everything else has been going on, and this, this is John Thorrington's call. LAFC has been one of the darlings of Major League Soccer. What they've been able to do and come into Major League Soccer and establish uh, the, the culture within LAFC, the, the rivalry with the LA Galaxy has been some of the best uh, games we've seen ever seen in Major League Soccer. They did that. He did that, but it needs to keep going. You can't all of a sudden say, well, we will get there. You're a few weeks away from preseason, and you barely have a coach. Yeah. You still need those signings. These fans all of a sudden are more sophisticated. These fans are all of a sudden more demanding, and they want their players. They want their answers. Yeah, I wanted to bring that to the table as well. We're not that far away from starting training camp. So it's uh, the timing is kind of weird that they had to wait all this time to appoint a new manager. Steve Sherundolo at LAFC. All right. Let's move on. As uh, Ross Geller once said, we were on a break. And while we were on that break, we thought former Toronto FC star Sebastian Jovinko had very harshly criticized Major League Soccer during an interview with Sky Italia, pretty much saying MLS is not real soccer. Whoa! Well, apparently it was, as it always is, misinterpreted. He talked to Italian football TV and explained what he really meant. No, I say if you compare it to the Europe soccer or football, let's call uh, whatever they are uh, yeah. easy to call, there is a good infrastructure, there is a good uh, facility, there is a good life. Uh, I always say that, but we can compare it to the, 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 the soccer or the football. Of course, uh, I always say I love Toronto, I always say I love MLS, I always say all these good things, is good. there is a good life. But if you want to talk about soccer, I can't say it's the same. That's it. I think that it also it comes in terms of translating from Italian because you did the interview with Sky in Italian. And then when they translated it into English, it makes it seem like you were trying to disrespect MLS. But I believe that all you were trying no. to say is that it's just not at the same level of Europe. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Listen, uh, Sebastian Jovinko delivered while he was an MLS player. We've all, been, we've all been guilty of saying something and then needing to give an explanation. Are you cool with his explanation? Of course I'm cool with it. Of course yeah. you are. This is lost in translation. I know Sebastian Jovinko personally. Okay. <laughs> he was my teammate. The man still lives in Toronto. His family was in Toronto while he was in... He was in the in the Middle East playing soccer. He's trying to get back to Toronto. He loves the city. He loved his time as Major League Soccer. But he's saying what I think any rational person who knows the game would say and knows. There's a huge difference in level between Major League Soccer and European football. Is that a lie? No. In other news, water is wet. So, 
Hold on, were, were we overreacting to his words? Because when I read the quote, right? Well, when, well when two, two words that, that quote, were taken out of context and misquoted. I mean, yes. I think he said what he said. And now he's trying to just play it cool and saying, listen, I was not trying to be as harsh on M on Major League Soccer. Listen, he said what he said. And again, you said it. He's, he's not lying. So why were many no, people no, 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 taking no. People, offense? People are taking offense that he's saying it's not real football. That's not a direct translation of what he said. That's a misinterpretation of his words. And he said it. Listen, Sebastian, Sebastian Jovinko, I know him very well. I know that he's still trying to get back with Toronto because he loves the team. He loves the city. Like I said, he still has a home there. He still resides there. I think this is one of those things that blew up like and spread like wildfire that was taken out of context. But listen to yourself. He still loves Toronto. He has a house in Toronto. He was very emphatic when he said twice during the explanation, it's a great life. It's a great life. Of course, it's a great life. Nobody's nobody's questioning that. But where but did he say? Where, where's where's the where's the disrespect there? You tell me. I don't think it's disrespectful. I thought he was just being honest. And sometimes being honest. He's talking about the level. But listen, sometimes sometimes when people are honest, some other people will take that as an offense. And no, and he didn't, there's a difference between I, being honest and there's a difference between knowing that words matter and what you say matters and their worth and how you carry it. And I think this was a misinterpretation. He wouldn't have taken the oh, time if man. he didn't feel so. I don't think it was a misinterpretation. I believe he said what he said, and he truly believes that. Did you not watch the video? He truly believes that. What is it? What is it? Did you not watch the video? No, I, I mean, I watched the video. We just played the video. I just thought, he said, man, I was probably too rough on Major League Soccer. I have to say something because they're going to kill me now. He said Who's, what he like said. He's worried about the MLS fans. Come on. He, you he said he lives there now. Ultras. Now all of a sudden he's worried uh, about Toronto FC right, fans. Right, right, right. I didn't remember he was your teammate, by the way. Was he, was he that good? Was he really that he was good? good? He was he's really pretty good. good. Top three um, player I played with for sure. This all comes in light of the massive deal Toronto FC signed with current Napoli superstar Lorenzo Insigne. Um, rumors, or not rumors, reports are stating between 11 and 13 million a year. Is Lorenzo Insigne net. net, exactly. Is he really net. worth that amount of money, Herc? No, no, not net, not net. That's an incredible amount of money. That's an incredible investment for a player. By the time he Makes comes you go here, because it's going right? to be a June transfer, <laughs> it's, it's going to, we're talking about a player who's going to be 31 when he gets here, signing a four-year deal. He's going to stay till he's 35. $11 million net. That is insane. Listen, I will go on the record. I don't think he's going to do what Sebastian Jovinko did. Okay, uh, if you're going by that formula, diminutive, you know, Italian 10, the guy who can change a game for you, what Sebastian Jovinko did at half the price, I don't think he's going to come close to. I don't think he's going to do what Chicharito did last season, on the field or off the field. I don't think he's going to do the 17 goals or jersey sales marketing sponsorships that Chicharito did last year. Sebastian Jovinko absolutely murdered Major League Soccer. He made it his. That's what he did. Each and every way he wanted to. He absolutely crushed it. Individually, team-wise, he made a name for himself. He got on the radar of Barcelona playing in Major League Soccer. I mean, this is a player that crushed it. I do not feel Insigne at this time and point of his life is going to come close to what Sebastian Jovinko. Because of that, I don't think it's a 
great investment. But if you want to spend $11 million net, this tells me the game is changing. So he's, uh, his contract, Insigne's contract is up with Napoli this summer. So no transfer fee. Uh, that's why Toronto is probably able to pay that much money. Now, I disagree with you when you say you don't think he'll have better numbers than Chicharito Hernandez. I know Toronto's... I don't have the field. Toronto is in rebuild mode, right? They're not... Even, even with Lorenzo Insigne, they're probably not going to be great next year as well. They're going to have so Bob Bradley So you back. agree with me? No. That is first individually. In one full calendar year, he's not so, going to score 17 goals and do jersey shells and marketing like Chicharito did. If, I mean, he's not going to sell more jerseys than Chicharito. That's, that's obviously okay. not going to happen. So, he but, lost but, there. But, okay. I, but I'm going to go on-field production. He's... Clearly, a better player than Javier Hernandez. That's that's. Yeah, I mean, but you just said that Toronto's struggling. Well, yeah, but individually, that that doesn't mean that individually he can score between 13 and 17 goals. And if he stays fit, right? Uh, if he avoids injuries, like Chicharito wasn't able to avoid injuries Correct. in his first couple of seasons in games, Major League Soccer, and he scored a lot goals. of goals. He started really hot, and then yeah. unfortunately he was injured and missed some time. Good, I believe. Both at the same level, Lorenzo Insigne will score more goals than Javier Hernandez uh, next season. And if you want to put something oh, on, on it, on, on. I'm, I'm on. more than happy to do he it wouldn't score publicly more goals right next here. Season. I told you he wouldn't do both like he did this season. Okay, You pay $11 million net for a player, you better produce uh, on the field and off the field. Because so, that's what Major League Soccer is about when you spend that type of cheddar for a player. The question about worth is always tricky. Because, yes, with strikers, we want to focus on stats, right? Goals and assists because he can do both. He actually does both for Napoli. And he's a fantastic player, national team player. So, yes. I noticed how you didn't touch Sebastian Jovinko. <laughs> you didn't mention anything about Sebastian Jovinko. I think it's a different situation. I th Is I it? I well, you, you tell me. You were a part of no, Jovinko's. No, 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 no. You said you think it's a different situation. What I'm trying to say, you mentioned Chicharito's numbers. Do you think he will get close to Jovinko's numbers? Um, not really because those were great numbers. And, and, and you needed a season like Carlos Velas, 2019 Carlos Velas, which was historic. I yeah. don't think he's going to put those goals, numbers. I don't think he will put those numbers in his first season. But if the team keeps doing the right things in terms of roster building, by season number two or season number three, I believe with his talent, he will at least get close to those numbers. To 34-15. Yes. Of Yes, yes, I believe so. Production, book hey, it. Hey, Slatten did it. I'll take the under. Slatten did it. Production. Slatten did it in a not-so-great LA why Carlos Vela. That's why Carlos Vela is historic in Major League yes. Soccer, because nobody's yes, done it. Yes, but he had a great team. Uh, Slatten didn't have a great team around him at, at LA Galaxy. So that sort of compares with the situation that um, uh, he's going to phase now. Insignia right. is going to phase now at now, Toronto. In, in, his, in his favor, he does have a very good... Bob Bradley, who understands the league sure. and under, understands how to build sure. a winner. Uh, okay, so. Mark, uh, production, mark my words, between 15 and okay. 18 goals first season for Lorenzo Insigne at Toronto FC. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! 
loved. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Christian Pulisic <laughs> scoring his 16th Premier League goal for Chelsea. Third of the season, Chelsea and Liverpool tie at Stamford Bridge. Pulisic for the seventh time in the season in the starting 11. And if he's soccer, LeBron James, well, then that match for him certainly had some NBA feeling about it. Yeah, I don't know if satisfied is the word. Um, I think uh, probably a fair result in the end. I think uh, we always want more in a, in a game like that with the emotions running so high. Um, it was uh, obviously you always want to find that winner. You want to find the result in the end. But uh, yeah, in the end, obviously, we'll take it. How difficult was it uh, going to this game after this, you know, chaotic uh, pre-story about uh, Lukaku? I mean, we had to just put it aside, really. Um, obviously, he wasn't involved today, so we just uh, had to focus on our game plan and, and execute with the players that we had. So, uh, to be honest, that wasn't, wasn't in our head at all. So yeah, the Romelu Lukaku topic is really, really trending at Chelsea. Uh, last week, he made, the head, uh, he made headlines for the wrong reasons. He was left out of the roster for that crucial match against Liverpool. So do you believe Christian Pulisic has benefited from all the Lukaku drama? No, 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 not at all. Listen, Christian Pulisic, if anything, uh, it's hurt him a bit, Lukaku not being there. He's had to play it as, a, as a false nine, even as a wing back in those five games. Yes, he's played, but in the one time he's got a position, sorry, excuse me, the one time he's got an opportunity to play in his position as a left uh, winger, he scores a goal, a very good goal, very dynamic play, very direct, very to the point, very in your face, and he scores a goal in front of his old friend, Jurgen Klopp. Uh, if anything, this only affirms what we already knew. Thomas Tuchel is not a good man-manager. Mm. Thomas Tuchel, he's not a player's coach. He wasn't at PSG. He's not right now at Chelsea. He wears thin on players. He still views Christian Pulisic as the 16-year-old who he gave an opportunity to, who he debuted while at Borussia Dortmund. This is all this tells me. The comments made by Thomas Tuchel, the, the, the demeanor, the, the way he fit or forces him to play, everything. The Lukaku situation, that's all this has told me. So let me get this straight. You believe that Thomas Tuchel has, in a way, and I don't want to put words in your mouth that you haven't really spoken, but I want to get this clear. You believe he has mishandled Christian Pulisic's talents at Chelsea? Hudson Odoi, Christian Pulisic. <laughs> Lukaku. Do you, right, there's a long, there's a long list of players that he's Did you forget he won the Champions League last season, beating Manchester oh, were those City? Players, were those players not there for that? Thomas Tuchel scored those goals by himself. Well, he was, was a big amazing. part of it. Do you remember so how was Chelsea? Christian Pulisic scoring against Hold Real Madrid on. to get to the Hold final? So was Kai Havertz. Sure. So was Kai. What I'm trying to tell you is. There's a reason they're not doing well, and Thomas Tuchel is part of that. He's yes. a big reason for that right now. He's probably the reason for it. Lukaku, what's going on? This doesn't benefit Christian Pulisic. Thomas Tuchel playing him as a right wing back doesn't benefit Christian Pulisic. Playing him as a false nine does not benefit Christian Pulisic. Well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to break news for you, but Thomas Tuchel's main job is 
not really to find Christian Pulisic's perfect How's that spot. going the last five games? Well, listen, listen, he has played, he has started those last five games, and they have managed to win only one, and they're dropping a lot of points, but is, is, is Thomas Tuchel to blame for that, or yes. all the players missing because of injuries, suspensions, and COVID? Why don't was we Lukaku take that in consideration? He was missing because he was disrespectful to the team. How else did you expect a manager to handle a situation he like frustrated? that? He, don't just say he did an interview. Why did he do an interview? Why is he frustrated? Why are players frustrated? Hey, Why do players play out of position? I Why think, do you have a player who wears a number 10 shirt as a right wing back? Why do you have players who don't play as a Because the manager needs to find nine? a solution when things okay. are not going How's that going? Not ideal, but it's not the oh, manager's okay. fault when they have so many key players <laughs> missing. So, so, so let me get this straight. Chelsea, they win the Champions League in spite of Thomas Tuchel. And now, no, 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 because that's what you for, said. For and now matters. they're dropping points they because of Thomas Tuchel. They rode a wave of form and won the Champions League. Have you forgotten? Okay, and now they've come back to reality. Okay, Thomas Tuchel, like he did at PSG, when he waited in on Neymar, when he waited in on Kylian Mbappe, when he waited in on those players, he's doing the same thing here. It's history repeating itself. I want to focus on Christian Pulisic and his current form. Um, and I'm not going to focus, as you do always, in stats. Because if a player doesn't score or assist... You immediately criticize the player. And I'm not going to bring Diego Linus to the table. That's a different kind of conversation. But, well, we can't because we're talking about the but, Premier League and players but, who are... Sure. But, but, okay, if you were, if you were in Thomas Tuchel's shoes, how would you then improve Christian Pulisic's form? How would you help? Because this is what you're saying. You're saying that Thomas Tuchel has to help Christian Pulisic find his best form. How would you do that? How would you expect the manager to do that when he has given him many chances, and probably the results are not there. Okay, here it is. Oh, look, I found it. Play him in his position. <laughs> there it is. Play him in his position. I found it. So he only, search. he only can do? play one position. That's it. He can only play oh, this man. one position. I'm sorry, Hurt, but modern, modern football, modern soccer demands players being successful at different positions, not just one spot on the field. Because you said then, it's successful. You, because then if you believe that Christian Pulisic can only... Thomas if, Tuchel is what? not successful at getting the best of his players in different positions. <laughs> he won, he I don't. I, Champions League. It, I, feel like, I feel like I'm being Scooby-Dooed right now, and I'm going to take off that mask, and it's Sebastian Salazar. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, it's no coincidence that usually I am more of Sebastian Salazar's mind than you. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Orbelin Pineda. Celta de Vigo has cleared the foreign player spot needed to complete Orbelin Pineda's move to the club. He will join Nestor Araujo, his teammate in the Mexican national team at Celta de Vigo. The manager is Chacho Coudet, who managed in Liga MX at Cholos and obviously faced Orbelin Pineda. New challenge, also a free 
transfer. His contract with Cruz Azul expired, and we are looking now at some great stats, Herc, that pretty much put in perspective what a player like Orbelin can bring to the table. But what are real expectations for Orbelin at Celta de Vigo? To play? Listen, lots of times the issue with strong Mexican talent in Europe isn't the talent itself, Mauricio. It's them being consistent with the opportunities they're given and, and taking advantage of those opportunities. For whatever reason, it, it doesn't happen a lot. And it shouldn't just be exclusive to Mexican players. We see this a lot with North American players trying to play in Europe, especially, especially players in Mexico who have a high comfort level because they make enormous amounts, enormous amount of money. Uh, they're, they're treated like kings. They're, they're in a paparazzi-like paparazzi -like lifestyle. And then they go to a more exigente, a more demanding type of football. It happens. Right now, he needs to play. I don't have any expectations of him playing. I don't know what the situation will be like for him. What I do know is how talented he is. What I do know is when he's been given the opportunity at the Mexican national team level, at the highest of level, for whatever reason, when it's been big-time opportunity, He's not risen to that occasion. Yeah, He's I, not really shown us to the best of his ability. I, I agree 100% with that. He, he has gotten some great chances at Chivas, at Cruz Azul, with the Mexican national team. And we are still waiting for that great shining moment, that, that unforgettable performance. Yeah, at club level, In, I'm not sure I'm with you. He, he was champions at both those teams, okay? Yeah, but, 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 were, I, but at national team teams, level, the highest were level. Were those teams champions because of Orbelin Pineda? Not right, really. Chivas might has a case really. with, with well, he was a very good player. Yeah, he, no, I mean that's my point. He's been a very good player. He's been considered always a very good player, but we're still waiting for that moment in which, yes, he has to start always for the Mexican team for the Mexican national team. He is the player that we want him to be. Now, Celta de Vigo is doing better. They started slow in La Liga. Streaming on ESPN Plus as well. But now they just beat Real Betis, who are doing really well in La Liga uh, as of now. So my question is, when you consider that the team is doing well and you're a new player trying to earn spot, how hard will that be? Well, it's going to be difficult for him because it's the unknown, right? And he's also not a young kid. He's 25 years old. I applaud him forcing his way into Europe because we've heard all the time about how There's high, there's high uh, transfer fee demands for Mexican clubs to European clubs. So he says, I'm going to take that out of your hands. I'm going to let my contract play out. And he forced his way. I love that. But yes, Chacho Caudet, he knows you because he was a coach. He was a manager at Liga Mekis. You, you played against him. He's gotten to see you play. He knows probably the best of you. He's probably seen the worst of you as well. Uh, but it, it's get in. It's fit in. It, it's try to make an immediate impact because you won't have the benefit of that. One, you're a foreigner now. And two, You're a slightly more mature foreigner, 25 years mm -hmm. old, coming into La Liga. Yeah, I love the fact that he, he took a chance on himself, right? By not renewing his deal with Cruz Azul and just forcing, in a way, his move to European soccer at Club Celta de Vigo. Good luck to Orbelin Pineda. Now, from someone who took a chance and left for Europe to someone who we thought eventually was going to move to Europe. Rodolfo Pizarro, it's been reported that Inter Miami will loan him to Rayados de Monterrey. So he's going back to Liga MX. This is a clip from this Monday morning. He took a physical with Rayados. So he's going back. He's 27, Hurt. 27. Second stint with Rayados de Monterrey. Who's the biggest loser on this deal? 
All right, so you got Monterrey, you have Inter Miami, you got Rodolfo Pizarro. Monterrey never wanted him to leave. The, the buyout clause was forced away, was, he was ripped away from their hands. He left. Goes to Inter, but he was told by David Beckham. He was on our program, Auro Nunca, David Beckham, in studio and says, I'm going to help him get to Europe. There was a FaceTime call. David Beckham, I will help your dreams come through. And all of a sudden, he gets to Inter Miami, and there's a rift with Iguayin. He doesn't get along with their highest paid player, with the guy who's been there, done that. With Iguain the managers. And don't talk. And then the manager, Neville, doesn't know how to use him, doesn't know how to get the best out of him. And guess what? After two seasons, he's going back on loan to Monterrey, where it all started. If I have to pick a biggest loser here, the guy who lost out on everything is Rodolfo Pizarro. It's Rodolfo Pizarro. You know what I think of Rodolfo Pizarro? <laughs> I think, uh, are you right? Are you, are you are you concerned for Rodolfo Pizarro? You need a break? Some little. water, Herc? <laughs> Listen, hey, Happy New Year to Herc. That's water. Don't don't think he's in Mexico drinking something else. Uh, you know what I think of Rodolfo Pizarro? I think he's a great talent, and I and I and I think he brings special things to every single club he's being a part of. But I'll say this the most honest way I can say it: <laughs> he wasted two years of his career, two crucial years of his career. I don't question the move and his reasons for leaving Monterrey and trying to find a new experience at Major League Soccer with Inter Miami. But it was a massive failure and he wasted again two crucial years. He was a fundamental player for Tata Martino with the national team. Now he barely gets called up and I believe that's one of the reasons why he wanted to move back to Liga MX so he can be again on Tata Martino's radar. Now he's going to be a part of Rayados but Rayados is a loaded roster, Herc. Is he going to start for Javier Aguirre's team? Man, you talked about him being an integral part of the Mexican national team. El balón al 20. The ball to <laughs> number 20. How many times did we say that? Exactly. 2019, 2019, he was the best player in the Gold Cup final for Mexico. He was one of the reasons they beat the U.S. men's national team in the Gold Cup final. I don't think he's going to start. Not immediately, at least. Uh, Ponchito Gonzalez, uh, another Mexican player who, who was very similar to him, had an outstanding year for Javier Aguirre. He was one of the lone bright spots. He's probably the most talented, the best player yet to be given an opportunity by Tata Martino on the Mexican national team. So he's got him in direct competition. And Monterrey's the type of team that if it's not Ponchito Gonzalez, it's Maxi Mesa. Yeah. If it's not Maxi Mesa, it's another great foreign prospect. What he does have to his advantage is these competitions, is this rotation from Javier Aguirre as well. In February, he will have the Club World Cup, and I think this is also a reason why he came back, both World Cups, the Club World Cup and the World Cup that is looming for the national team. You're right. He wants to get back on that radar. Uh, you know, nobody finishes their career at 27, but for Rodolfo Pizarro, this <laughs> might be the last call if he expects to be a very important player for the national team and eventually to make the move to Europe, which now seems more like a dream than a reality. We all knew coming to this transfer window that teams were not going to be big spenders. So now we had a lot of trades in Mexican League, in Liga MX. Let's take a look at some of the biggest transfer during this winter window. Sebastián Córdoba 
leaving America to Rayados. We'll, we'll expand on the historic aspect of that move in a second. Luis Romo from Cruz Azul to Monterrey in exchange for, for Charlie Rodriguez. And Cruz Azul is, is, is doing things really well. Eric Lira moving from Pumas to Cruz Azul. And then another trade involving El Piojo Alvarado, Roberto Alvarado going from Cruz Azul to Chivas in exchange for Uriel Antuna, who's now part of La Máquina alongside with uh, Alejandro Mayorga. So when you look at this graphic, when you take a look at these moves, what stands out? What 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 likes? Uh, what do you believe is going to be the most important move from the ones that we have here right now on screen? So I'm looking at this and immediately, and I tweeted it out. I remember having a conversation with Sebastian Salazar about the U.S. Men's National Team players, their stars coming back to Major League Soccer, and he was saying how it impacted the U.S. Men's National Team. And when I first started, I kind of scoffed and laughed. Well, when you look at it, maybe in Qatar, for this Mexican national team, this type of transport, transfer uh, won't hurt the Mexican national team in Qatar. But if we look beyond Qatar, 2026, when all of a sudden, Chucky Lozano's on his latter years. He's a little longer in the tooth. Raul Jimenez may not be part of the team anymore. Hey, Memo Ochoa, well, he probably still start. You know, Memo Ochoa probably still be there. Tecatito Corona is going to be older. He's not going to be there. You know, he, all your players, your good players like Hector Herrera, he won't be there. These players aren't testing themselves at the highest of levels. They've been phased out, all these European players. This is when it can harm Mexican soccer. These transfers, as big as they are, as multi-million dollar transfers as they can be, the glitz, the glamorous, Cordoba, you know, going Angulo for $8.5 million, both of them to Tigres, all these different things happening, all these different things going on, Eric Lira uh, going to Cruz Azul, Mayorga, Antuna, this interchange, it only benefits these clubs, not the Mexican national team. Um, those moves don't really have to impact the Mexican national team. Remember when we were talking about Daryl DK, and I told you, not every single move to Europe means that the player is going to improve their form. I believe this is kind of the case for some of these players. Luis Romo wanted to move to Europe. He's not going to do that anymore. Um, I thought Sebastián Córdoba. How many times did I tweet, Sebastián, vete a Europa, Córdoba, vete a Europa, Córdoba, go to Europe now. I don't necessarily believe that if you're going to make a move to a lower tier team, is going to make you improve as a national team player. I'm okay with these moves. Most of them I really like, and most of them, to me, make a lot of sense. Now, I do believe some of these players will benefit from changing teams in terms of how Tata Martino will look at some specific players, depending Tata on Martino the Tata Martino doesn't watch Liga Mekis, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Tata Martino's never seen a Liga Mekis game. This is the problem. He doesn't know who Ponchito Gonzalez is. This is a problem. He's like, oh, you play in Atletico? Hector Herrera, come on down. Oh, Wolves. Oh, Napoli. Yeah. Oh, Tecatito, you're not playing at Porto, but you're at Porto. Come on down. He doesn't care to watch Liga Mekis. He doesn't live well, in Mexico, doesn't watch the league. This is a big caca. This is a big <laughs> boiling point argument with many in the media, and you know this. I mean, not the best players in Mexican soccer playing for the Mexican national team. And you're stalling. If yes. you're trying to sell the people at home that Liga Mekis is on par with some of these teams around the world, some of these leagues around the world, you know it's a vende humo thing to do right For there. so many years, we kept 
listening to the same pundit saying the only way for the Mexican national team to make it to El Quinto Partido is to export players, to have as many players as they can playing in European leagues. It happened, and the end result was the same. Now, you and I, we have both talked to a lot of players who had chances to move from the Liga MX to Europe, and they kept pointing fingers at owners by saying the price tag is too expensive. In these specific cases, who's to blame for these players staying in Liga MX and not making the jump to European soccer? Listen, I've been very critical of Mexican ownerships of Liga Mekis and that internal, that very inflated internal markets. And I'm still very critical of that. But at some point, we need to look at the player. We look at the ambitions of the player. There's a reason Tecatito Corona is legendary in Liga Mekis. And I mean legendary within players in the Players Association because he held to his guns. He stuck to him and he said, I'm not signing. And he went by himself and went to Europe and signed. And this is how the legend of Tecatito Corona grew. Orbelin Pineda just did that. This is what you need to do nowadays is to put your foot down, take a stand, and leave yourself saying no. Guess what? I don't want to take your millions. I know you're going to pay me more. Alexis Vega, Chivas player, he might get paid twice as much as he made last season for scoring zero goals last season because they don't want to lose him to Europe. At some point, the player needs to say, I want this. And if you want Liga Mekis, there's nothing wrong with that. But don't go the Luis Romo route and, and, and for the better part of a year, say it's Europe or bust. And all of a sudden, oh, wait a second. Monterrey sounds nice. Mm. Yeah, I'll take those dollars. Okay, I don't buy that 100%. And here's why. Uh, let me check the clock. 55 minutes ago, on this very same show, we were celebrating the fact that a homegrown player... MLS player was worth or is worth $20 million, right? Ricardo Pepe transferred no, to Alford no, for $20 no. million. No, no. And we, hey, no, it's, no, no. it's so, so why? why so you, because you're saying Tecatito Corona is a hero. Gerardo Torrado, in his time, he did the exact same. He did the exact same thing, right? Orbelín Pineda not renewing his deal with Cruz Azul. Awesome. That's the only way to go to Europe. No, no. Augsburg just paid twenty million dollars. Why can't Mexican teams find ways to profit from what they do with young players and sell them like FC Dallas just did with Ricardo Pepe? Why is it okay? And we celebrate Ricardo Pepe and his transfer for 20 mil. And then you keep asking Mexican players to, hey, man, play the hero. Don't, don't sign no, a new deal and go on, no. a, tra on, a, on a free you're, transfer you're to Europe. You're misinterpreting like you did with Sebastian Jovingo. I'm not <laughs> celebrating Ricardo Pepe. <laughs> that's, I'm that's celebrating that somebody you, thinks a player for Major League Soccer is worth 20 million with under 60 games. That is really astonishing to me. That is the celebration part. If he wants to stay, stay. Okay, if they want to stay, stay. The thing is, these players, if they really want to get to the next level, and you know this in Mexican soccer, you could score four goals a season and make a million dollars. Okay, that's not going to make you a better player. And it's going to make you a more MLS, richer way. person. It may not happen unless, or it may. Ricardo Pepe got a deal uh, for, for a higher salary, higher just to increase the transfer fee. It's something that we've seen since the Eddie Johnson days back in the day in Major League Soccer. What I'm trying to tell you right now is it, it, I do not agree with you because if you want to see Mexico get to the second round every World Cup and that's as far as they go, keep doing what you're doing. That's fine. Okay. If you want to see the U.S., 
get to maybe the second round or maybe make a run in the quarterfinal, keep doing what you're doing. But if you want to see them compete for World Cups, if you want to see them be the best that they can possibly have them try to play at the highest level possible, not domestically, not in Liga Mekis, not in Major League Soccer, that's not where you want them. You want them sharpening that iron. You want them in the best level possible. I will keep scratching my head trying to figure out why Mexican players need a free transfer to make the jump and why because nobody's going to pay why, what they're asking and why a player like Ricardo Pepe is actually worth 20 million dollars with so he's an 18 year old who scored goals for the national so team and he scored goals in his first season as you just mentioned and he's 18 okay. years old uh, how many how many young mexican we, players get an opportunity in mexico uh, well, you, right. you have el, el chaquito jimenez at cruz azul chaquito jimenez at cruz azul uh, they have he's a great not, generation that what, just won 21? bronze medal at the Olympics, yes, youth national the under team. the under seventeen team has won the World Cup twice in the past fifteen years. So, so there's so talent. keep doing what you're doing because that's exactly there what's going to get talent. you the same thing. Nobody's denying what? that there's talent now. We'll see. I'm telling you, the we'll internal see. market is so messed up that nobody will touch it. Rojo Pizarro was valued at twenty million dollars two years ago. Well, he ended yeah. up at Inter Miami. And now he's back at Rayados de Monterrey. Okay. Um, we touched on Sebastián Córdoba's move. Tigres a little earlier on the show. For the first time ever, this deal includes a player from Liga MX Femenil, female Liga MX. Katy Martinez is one of the best players in the league and part of Sebastián Córdoba's move to Tigres involves Katy moving to America. What does this mean in terms of historic context, Herc? It is It is uh, historic, it's monumental, the fact that you could have an intergender, I guess, if you will, transfer, where you're dealing players from opposite leagues, opposite genders, to accommodate said deal. Uh, and Katy Killer, by the way, Katy Killer Martinez, as uh, she is known, uh, ex-Tigre, good luck at America, absolutely crushed it for oh, four yeah. seasons. We're talking about four trophies, 80 goals, and now she'd be rewarded by being one of the highest earners, if not the highest, if reports are true, in Liga MX Femenil. Well-deserved, but monumental when you think about, well, same team, America, same team, Tigres. Yeah. I could sweeten the pot, sweeten the deal. Because yeah. I really think this is, uh, okay, Katy, uh, we'll give you also Cordoba just to, just to make sure we get yeah, Katy. sure. I agree. I agree, because she, she's yeah. awesome. She's great. And listen, we've been, or I'm not going to speak for you, I've been very critical of Liga MX for many reasons, in a lot of years, right? In, in many different ways. But one of the things that they have done really well is how they are promoting the women's Liga MX. And I think this is just one of those facts that will live forever in terms of how important and how big the league has become in the past five years. Um, so we were speaking of the different trades that we saw during this transfer window. Which for you, Herc, was the best move so far in Liga MX? Well, I, I think it's very one-sided move. Honestly, it's a very one-sided trade. If you look at the uh, Piojo Alvarado, Uriel Antuna, and Mayorga trade, uh, if you just go Uriel Antuna and Alvarado straight up swap deal, I'd say, you know what, that's a pretty even trade. And I could see them working out for both teams, and they still have a lot of upside with the national team. Maybe Uriel Antuna takes the edge on the national team, but I think it's pretty fair. But when you throw Mayorga into the mix and you say it's Uriel Antuna, and Mayorga, because Chivas wanted Piojo, Herrera, or Piojo uh, Alvarado because that's Marcelo Leaño's guy. That's who Michel Leaño, excuse me, that's who Michel Leaño wants. Yep. Uh, 
I think they got the wool pulled over their eyes. They, he they, coached they, him at Necaxa. Yeah, he, co he coached him. This is, this is a guy that may be a good player, but you're overpaying for him. Mayorga is one of the best up-and-coming players, very consistent defender, one of the best, most consistent defenders in Liga MX, Mexican-wise anyways, in the last two years. At Pumas, he was very good. At Chivas, he was very good. It just tilts it in, in Cruz Azul's favor. Cruz Azul just completely robbed Chivas in this one. Yeah, I mean, I like Alvarado playing now for Chivas. I think he's going to be very, very helpful. But I don't think Chivas overall has had a very good transfer window. They're, they're still missing a lot of players. They do need help in different areas of the field. Um, I'm going to go with the trade between Cruz Azul and Rayados de Monterrey. Charlie Rodriguez going from Rayados to Cruz Azul. Luis Romo going from uh, Cruz Azul to Rayados de Monterrey. I think this is a win, win, win for everyone. Luis Romo wanted out of Cruz Azul. We had him on Ahora Nunca on our show on ESPN Deportes, and he was ready to move on. He delivered the trophy. He said, we're going to win the league, and he did it. He delivered. But I believe the dynamics around Cruz Azul were not ideal for him. He's a fantastic player, and I believe Javier Aguirre will actually bring his game to the next level. Now, before, before you say anything, Charlie Rodriguez, I know a lot of people keep saying he only had that one great game against Liverpool and we all thought he was a new, he was Mexico's Chavi. He's a great talent, but I believe all the players surrounding his position at Rayados de Monterrey were hindering his development as a player. I all believe, those great I, players? I firmly believe Juan Reynoso will find, just like you said with Thomas Tuchel and Christian Pulisic, I believe Juan Reynoso will find the right, the sweet spot oh, for Charlie Alvarado, Mexico's Chavi. And he will be in Mexico's starting 11 at the 2020. By the way, happy oh. new year. Ha happy, happy World Cup year 2022. Charlie Rodriguez will be great at Cruz Azul. Go on. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have our parting shot. You, do, you got nothing. Production had some for us. Parting shot. This, Herc, is just a render, not real images. El Salvador will have a new Estadio Nacional, capacity of 50,000. Um, I'll be very honest with you. I've never been to a World Cup qualifier at El Salvador. I always wanted to be there. If that's going to be the stadium that we're going to have to visit in 2030 and 2029, I'm more than willing to pay my own fees to travel to El Salvador. How's that being funded, by the way? <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure. It was announced by El Salvador's president. They now have a cryptocurrency as, the, as one of the official currencies of the country. But I mean, looks great, right? Looks amazing. I mean, who needs El Cuscas plan? Hey. Who, need, who needs the old Estadio Nacional? You know, it's just, man, whatever. Ow. You know, they, it, it, this is what you really need, this stadium. Instead of investing those millions of dollars, those hundreds of millions of dollars into the infrastructure of, of, of the Federation, of the Fuerzas Básicas, of the academies, of the women's program, of all that, we need this well, shiny brand new you, stadium. Don't you believe the fans deserve a world-class stadium? Of course they deserve it. I think the it. fans deserve a good product. 
Ricardo Pepe 101 exclusively here on Football Americas. Don't miss it. Remember to download the podcast as well. Sebi Salazar will be back soon. That's Hercules Gomez. Her. Look at his touch. Enjoy. That's a very nice t-shirt. Zinedine Zidane. I am Mauricio Pedrosa. This was He's Football got your Americas. Hairline. See you Thursday.